the conversations that my daughter and I have had about sexual harassment have really opened me up. And I, I feel pretty overwhelmed by a, by a very simple idea. And that is this, as much as I thought and knew it was happening, I didn't realize it was happening that much. We've talked about in the previous podcast series that, that Maya and I have done together um, about the first time she got a inappropriate picture over Skype when we got her a Skype account so she and I could communicate while I was overseas. And what we did uh, so that uh, that person never sent her another dick pic, which was, you know, she said, thank you for sending this to me. My father is works for the Boulder Police Department and he's um, you know, internet crimes against children and we have your IP address. And he freaked out and sent all these apologies and please I'm married type crap to, to Maya and then log, logged off. And, and that was when you were what, Maya? 13. 13, yeah. And then, and then to fast forward while she's there at college and she's talking about, you know, riding her bike to school or to work in her skirt. People driving alongside of her so that they could stare at her legs. And as I'm talking about this stuff to other parents, and I listen to the parents' stories, I wonder if men have any idea how much this is actually happening. I wonder if we really have a clue. Because we're hearing men as, as sexual harassment, consent, um, inappropriate behavior towards women and girls, it suddenly became a, a front front line, front page, top of the hour news story. And now it's gone. Here we are November 10th and it's, it's off the front pages already. So my daughter and I are back to continue this honest conversation about sexual harassment. Um, and, and I have with me uh, two guys, uh, both who are involved in men's work. Uh, and because there are men talking about this. There are men who are, who are doing work so that this stops happening. So it doesn't happen to their wives and their daughters and their neighbors' daughters and stuff. But I'm, I'm also beginning to notice that there's a bunch of men talking about what men should do. And we haven't asked the women what they want us to do. And so that's what this conversation is about, is, is my daughter telling us what we should be doing? Because we got a lot of ideas and we know oh, we should do this and we should do this. And what we should do is listen and we should, we should take our cues from women who are dealing with the daily barrage of comments, criticisms, uh, commercialism of harassment. And so that's what we're going to do. My name's Aaron Huey. My co-host is my daughter, Maya Huey. This is part four of an honest conversation between a dad and his daughter about sexual harassment. And my guests today are Boyson Hodgson, Hodgson and Brian Katz. Uh, welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey, and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, thank you. and say your last name again so I don't completely garble it again, ever. Yeah, it's Boysen Hodgson. 
Hodgson. Okay, thanks. And then Brian Katz. Brian, you're on the line. Howdy. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Hi, I want to sit. Hey, Brian. I've known Brian, uh, and Maya's known Brian. Uh, Brian, what are you now? 26, 28? Oh, I'd love to be that. I'm 31. Holy crap. So I've known Brian since he was 16 years old. And I'm happy to say that I was one of Brian's mentors when he was um, impetuous and young and in high school and struggling to find his way. And, and my, my hetero life mate, Jeff, and I really took a shine to Brian and his energy. And we've watched him uh, move through life. And Brian used to work with me and has started his, his uh, work with me again, in addition to his Chinese medicine practice. Um, Brian, tell us what else you got going on. Well, I, uh, I, like you said, I have my Chinese medicine practice and I do sound healing with uh, tuning forks and, and gongs, but uh, it seems like these days my focus more and more are uh, these groups that I've been running. So I run uh, two uh, monthly groups, one in Denver and one in Boulder for the masculine consciousness um, for men in their like 20s and 30s get them open and starting a communication and dialogue between them um uh, doing some work with some of the local safe shelters and spreading education and awareness to the same kind of age range of men and then working on mentoring younger men and doing kind of a rites of passage with passing on the idea of accountability and education with that and then recently i passed on a uh, a potential client of mine uh, to Brian. So he's, I know he's starting to work with uh, young kids too. Yeah. Nice. Boys, and um, why are you here? What's going on with you, man? I've known you for six years now. No, it's got to be longer than that. It was the Evolved Men's Leadership Conference that Jason Gaddis put together. Oh, holy moly. Oh, that's what we did. So that was, that was in like two eight, was that 2008 or something. 2007 or 8 that's right that's right or now i remember no no that was quite a while ago yeah and, and you had a huge impression on me then and i was there in the same capacity so i'm i'm with the mankind project which is a nonprofit organization in the us and abroad uh, that does intensive men's kind of rite of passage weekends for adult men and then uh, hosts men's groups so we've got uh, 700 and something active men's groups in the United States right now, around a thousand around the world and uh, somewhere around eight to 10,000 men sitting in circles weekly or biweekly to dig in to emotional intelligence and accountability and personal responsibility and brotherhood and those kinds of, those kinds of things. So I've been sitting in a men's group for 14 years and uh, working full-time doing this work for the last seven. Yeah. And then you, you're also, uh, you also got uh, uh, some kiddos. And I'm a dad. Yeah. My wife and I, very unexpectedly, it happened very quick as one of those crazy, you know, the trip to India that changed your life kind of, things yeah so trip to india that changed our life and we came home and decided to become foster to adopt parents here in massachusetts through the department of children and families and our kiddos were eight and ten when we first met and they're they're sibs and they're now 12 and 14 so i have a 12 year old daughter and a 14 year old uh trans non-binary kiddo and uh so that has opened my eyes in a whole new way to uh, issues that face girls and women because of learning what it what it's like for so many young people who end up in foster care who end up in department of children and family situations just the kind of things the reality that they face on the daily and yeah and we're a, we're a multiracial multi-ethnic adoptive family that's a that's a chunk man that's a, a, a that's that's signing on for the phd is what it is it is the phd <laughs> in healing parenthood yes yes and then uh my co-host my daughter maya how you doing daughter 
I'm good. It's been a long week of finals and week before break and all that, but I'm very excited to get back to this podcast. It's been a while and yeah. I have had my idea about this topic shift quite a bit in between the last podcast and now. And I have a lot of topics that I'm fired up to talk to a bunch of men about. What do you mean shift? Talk about that. Um, I listened to a really amazing um, woman's podcast about her journey with consent. And the conversation that was brought up um, is that, you know, we've, we talk about the yes, no as consent, you know, saying, saying no is that, you know, that's, that's the word that surrounds this idea of consent is when the woman right. says, no, it should stop. And, and she took it deeper to what if, what happens when um, saying yes is safer than saying no. And right. is that still consent? And bringing up this conversation about the power dynamic wow. between men and women. Um, and if it, can I dive in for a second? Cause yeah, I, go, I don't go, think go. I can start this and not go on a rant. Um, before we started recording, Brian was talking about, um, he has, you know, some men come up in his men's groups and say that, you know, you know, why are we only talking about, you know, men's violence against women? And why, why aren't we having this conversation about just violence in general? And the reason whoever to whoever said that <laughs> is because when I walk down the street with a self-defense weapon, I don't have that self-defense weapon because I'm worried a woman will attack me. Um, and that is, that's just the fact. Women are not threatened by other women. And that's not to say women aren't violent, but I'm, we're just, <laughs> that's, it's just the case. I'm, I'm most likely, if, to, if I was to be attacked, I'm not going to get attacked by a woman. I'm going to get attacked by a man. And that is a reality that I think about every single time I walk to my car. Every single time I walk outside in the dark at night, even in my own neighborhood, I have to consider these things. And I believe that most men don't. And um, a, a, a concept that was brought up to me, again, I want to get back to that power dynamic of, you know, even whether, whether you're a safe man or not, you have power in whatever kind of relationship you are with a woman. And that power dynamic, I feel is the issue. So how do we address this idea that, you know, women feel safer saying yes, then they do saying no, because saying yes and having a bad sexual experience is easier than saying no and getting raped. And that's a real fear that a lot of women deal with and they end up in the, but, but then legally we still have this idea, well, she said yes and she, she consented. And so at what point do men take responsibility for this power dynamic that they have? Because I think that's something that I think men need to realize is that you have this you do, you have this energy that is threatening. Whether or not you're a threatening person, it's there. And men are threatening to women most times. <laughs> so I want to hear from um, these men we have on with us that are teaching other men, um, how, do we address, how do we address this power dynamic? Because I think it starts with education. I think it's a consent question. Um, and there's a lot of people kind of up in arms about, oh, you know, men, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about men saying, oh, well, what, we're supposed to ask permission every time we want to kiss a girl? Yes, you are. <laughs> um, <Yep>. Yes. <laughs> oh, we're supposed to, we have to, we, can, we can't even touch you without you saying yes. Yes, you should be asking permission. And if not, if you're not verbally saying it, you better be pretty, pretty darn good at reading nonverbals. And if you make a mistake and she says no, you apologize for misreading the situation. It really is not that hard. <laughs> and yet, we still have this issue that, there's this huge, like, women feel so responsible for men's emotions in whether it's not as a sexual situation or, yeah. you know, a consent situation that we will say yes and give that away for fear that either we'll hurt your feelings and you'll be upset because God forbid we upset a man or two, we will then, it will then become an unsafe situation for us. Boys, and talk about that. You're the, the Mankind Project, you've been involved in Mankind for 14 years, and they're, they're certainly one of the bigger men's groups ones. How does this power dynamic get discussed between men? Accountability. It's, it's the very first thing that we do on our, on our weekend training and Friday night. Accountability is it. And 
how our actions, how we, I, as a man, am responsible for my actions and the impacts of those actions, intended or unintended. And that's like, that's the one that's hard for men to choke on. Unintended. My un- I am responsible for my unintended impacts. So let's get away from, and I heard somebody speak to this just brilliantly this past week in New York. Let's get away from the conversation about intention. Intention is bullshit. Intention is getting away from responsibility and get to the conversation about impact because impact is where the juice is in these conversations. So for me, in the Mankind Project, that's where we have to start is with a conversation about I have to become responsible for the impact of my actions. So then it's a different, that kind of shifts the conversation about privilege and entitlement because that's an inherent part of that power dynamic, right? Is that men are taught from very early on in our culture and the way that our culture is framed, you have power, you're entitled to X, Y, Z. You're entitled to touch people without their permission. You're entitled to, you know, grab them. Let's, you know, go with the common thing here, right? You're entitled to grab them without permission because you're a man and you hold that power. So let's break all that stuff apart. And then in the Mankind Project, I think what we see is, you know, when we do that and the culture is doing that largely now is pulling the rug out from under these things that men have been assuming for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now what? Now we have to rebuild from that place. Brian, why is it so hard for men to change? Is it, is it, it what, what's going on? Why is it so hard for uh, your generation, my generation, uh, our, our elder generation to see what's going on, to hear what's being said, and for us to double down or dig in our heels? What's going on? Um, I think it becomes a layered situation. Um where like the, the the whole thing of rites of passage is like the experience in our culture of rites of passage is drinking drugs and partying at college with no real like mentors. And I was given one, at, I was gifted one by finding you at an early age and I've been able to do that. But as I see these men that are showing up in my group, they, they're like in their twenties and thirties. That's like the big thing that they've been lost and they all have a heart. And, um, as soon as we start building that space for men to like open up, it seems that they, uh, they start dropping in. I also see like the pack mentality. We don't have for some reason men that are willing to speak up. And because of that, the, the, uh, this, this misogynistic behavior, those are the men that are the loudest. And so they seem to like control the room. So there may be two guys that are jerks like that. And eight, uh, 10 guys that are standing silent, which makes 10 guys in the wrong. Yeah. Um, and not that I think nice. that it's only two guys that are doing it, unfortunately. I think it, those numbers are higher. But I do recognize that there's there's a lot of people in the middle that are just lost and without direction. Yeah, Maya, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm wondering if women hear men talk like this. And this is good talk. This is self-aware. This is, this is men saying, well, like this shit's going on. Like we're still doing this. And, you know, inappropriate voices are often the loudest. And, and there, are, there are avenues for men to really get in touch with um, the impact and taking full responsibility for impact. And I don't care what your intention was. Your delivery sucked. And so the, 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 the reception of it, the, the, the impact of it has caused pain. So Maya, you hear a bunch of men talking like this. Does it help? You know, I think it's, it's, it's refreshing to know that there are men that think this way mm. and that there are men thinking this way, teaching other men to think this way. And I think what it comes down to one thing um, Brian said was that there's, you know, if two men are in the wrong and 10 men stay silent, all of them are in the wrong. And I think that that's really, really important to know. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, and then going back to something that Boysen said about kind of addressing this, this entitlement that men have and that men don't really want to admit that they may have sexually harassed somebody, whether it was intention or not, that doesn't matter. And one thing that I've found, you know, and I had this conversation actually with other men is, well, if I didn't do anything wrong or, you know, if she's calling it sexual harassment and she had consented or 
whatever that, you know, why should I apologize if I didn't? Cause then if I'm apologizing, I'm admitting guilt. Like there's this pride mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's not that hard, you know? And mm-hmm. as a girl, I'm like, do you really want to walk around knowing that like you, like this woman hated having sex with you? Like you like that? <laughs> like, is that, does that feel good to you? But it's just like this pride of not being able to apologize or even address or have that conversation with a woman to sit them down and be like, Hey, here's what I thought the situation was. What happened? Where, where did I miss those cues? Because to me, that's a pretty easy conversation to have. And if I was able to see or ever hear of a story of a man, you know, if I had, I have friends that have been sexually harassed. I have friends that have been raped and, you know, one of them, the rape situation was told to her, Oh no, it wasn't rape because you, you know, you were drunk, but you said yes. And blah, 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 blah. If there had been a situation where that man came up to her and said, I heard that you're upset about this. Where did I go wrong? And that conversation had started. I think it would have had a really different impact on her, but that's not what happened. She was told to be quiet and that's where it ended. Um, So I think as a woman hearing this conversation, I think it's a really good start. And I want to know how do we, how do we implement this now? Because there's, it's one thing to talk about it and teach it and, how do we set that expectation that we're communicating with each other as human beings, but that men are communicating with women and asking permission? And when the answer is no, no doesn't mean convince me, no doesn't mean maybe later, no means let's do something else now, and that that's respected. And quite honestly, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. You can be bummed, you can be upset, but like, how do we, how do we set that expectation so that as a woman, you know, I don't have to worry about saying no, that no is a safe thing for me to say. So let's, let's talk about that guys for a second, because that's, I think that's why I asked the question in the first place, because I have the privilege of being around men who are sensitive about the subject, sensitive about the, uh, have a level of emotional intelligence amongst themselves and with with their, uh, their partners, that this is a conversation we can have, but I am still hearing a woman say, great, you guys are really, really um, looking at things twice and three times. So now what are you going to do? And so as, as a, I'll tell you, starting with uh, uh, two things that I've got uh, in in my local high school, I'm teaching a, um, a sexual assault martial arts class, uh, how to defend yourself against sexual assault. And the, in the same high school, the football coach and I are starting a consent training program for the boys. Um, And we'll get to Maya, we're going to get to in a minute um, of what I should be saying and doing in those classes. But I also want to know from, from boys and, and Brian, what is the Mankind Project doing? What are you doing personally? Brian, what are you doing with your men's group? And what are you doing personally to make this change? Talking about it with other men is one thing. What are we doing in our communities? Yeah, I'll go. The White Ribbon campaign was something that came up in the pre-call and, and that I'm familiar with as well. There are now... I'm, You're saying, of, I, want, I want to make sure that the audience hears, it's the White Ribbon campaign. The White Ribbon campaign, which, which uh, was started in Canada after a horrific um, violence against women action. And the White Ribbon campaign is, I think that you actually wrote down the pledge, a pledge about uh, not participating in or witnessing domestic violence and not stepping up violence against The, the, the pledge says, uh, and Brian, actually, Brian, why don't you tell us the pledge? I'll, You're the one I, that yeah, I, I wrote it down. I'll read it to you guys. It says, I pledge never to commit, condone, or remain silent about men's violence against women and girls in all its forms. So there's one thing that MKP is connected with the White Ribbon Campaign in a number of places. And I, in Massachusetts, I'm fortunate, we did a, a march on the Cape, a men's march to end violence on the Cape, working in conjunction with a shelter out there um, to raise the level of awareness about this. But that's kind of the external stuff. The, the stuff that I think is more cogent to this conversation is that empathy, you drop the word empathy into the room. We're not taught empathy. Men are basically not taught empathy from an early age. And how am I going to hear the impact that I'm having on somebody if I have been taught to um, defend against, minimize, or shut down 
empathy or soft emotion in the people around me. So for us, I think, you know, changing the entire culture of masculinity, shifting what we see as masculine. Maya, you said when no becomes a safe word, like that's freaking re revolutionary. And getting a culture of masculinity that hears that and can say, whoa, okay, heart open, step back, slow the conversation down, don't move to defense, move to openness. Wow, I just had an impact on you. Tell me more about that. And it, that's like revolutionary shift in what it means to be a man. It, changes that two guys and eight guys thing. So, and getting men to be able to uh, intervene in a loving, to lean in, in a loving and compassionate way with our bros when this stuff is happening, in the moment when this stuff is happening, you know, in the locker room talk. No, that's, that's not okay, man. I love you and you don't have to perform that way for me. I know who you are. There's something underneath what you're, this bullshit that you're putting out right now. Let's go there. Brian, before I, before I turn this over to you, cause I want to hear what you've got going on. Boys and in, um, in, uh, in response to that, I remember I had a, a very long time friend of mine that we've stayed in touch on Facebook and my, you know who he is. I'll tell you who he is off the air. Um, but when the, uh, the, the whole grab, grabber by the pussy conversation um, surfaced and was passed off as locker room talk. I had posted something. And this old friend of mine went in defending this and saying, it is just locker room talk. We all talk like that. And I private messaged him. And I said, uh, hey, so how's your younger sister doing? Because you know what? I'd like to grab her by the pussy. And he, he exploded in a private message with me. And I said, oh, so when it's personal, it matters. But yeah. when it's not, because I know, I know, I said, I said to him, I said, had I said this to you face to face, I've known you forever. You would have decked me. You would have knocked me flat. But yet here you are saying it's okay. And that, that actually led to a little deepening of our relationship. Um, so anyway, Brian, I want to talk about, talk about, what you got going on? Like, how are you, how are you turning these words into actions? So that's a, that's always my biggest thing is with my men's group. I love the fact that the men are opening up and talking and that's an aspect that we definitely need, but I'm always pushing them to take action. So as Boysen mentioned, the white ribbon campaign, I've taken the, the Colorado chapter of the white ribbon campaign and kind of got decided that we need to, it needs to be out there. We need to get our, that message out to more men. And I decided to kind of take the snake by the head. I took that message and I, I set up a table uh, plastered with that message and some lights. And I go to bars, I go to uh, social events like uh, music venues and shows. And I just, I have men from my men's groups. We get out and we're there talking to other men, uh, talking to women. And we at least are out there in the community doing that. What I notice is a lot of women come up and thank us a lot of men come up and they thank us and they go, I don't realize there was other men that are out here like this. And it just to kind of give at least, you know, a, a five by three foot area of safety at some of these venues and spaces that we know we can at least start that conscious dialogue subconsciously in, in everyday life. Um, that's like one of our really external things that we do also working, um, working on uh, getting the education into some of the universities with, um all their events we have a trying to we're working with cu to get some education there and working with a group called mesa movement to end uh, sexual assault they have some great programs for education um and within my men's group what i one of the big things that i we talk about is is again to kind of it reverberates from what boyson was saying but uh trying to bring the awareness to the men about the impact and, uh, that they have and the accountability. And one of the big things is I, I break it down into like five main layers. So I, I talk to them like we have uh, the impact we have on ourselves um, or the relationship to ourselves. 
We have the relationship to the feminine aspects of our world. We have a relationship to the masculine feminine or the masculine aspects of our world. We have a relationship to our community and we have a relationship to our partner. And so a lot of times we like to talk about how we impact those different layers and how we can be better with that. And I think a big thing is rewriting uh, how we approach things. So as the masculine, instead of being a force that's going to drive and choose our relationship, uh, I think we, we kind of step back and kind of take a more of a listening approach in a space of like, we're going to hold space for our community and hold space for our other, our brothers. We're going to hold space for our sisters. And then that's our way of shifting our ability to uh, support them. So Maya, so now that the, the steps are actually being actualized, the conversations being actualized, what are we missing? I think it's, this is a really layered topic. And I think, you know, boys, and you brought up the, you know, the idea of educating boy, men and boys about empathy. And if you're taught empathy, you can then have empathy towards towards these people that you're affecting and in a situation like in a consent situation, um, maybe you would be able to recognize that. And I, we're missing that fundamental education with young boys and young girls about, you know, what is that dialogue? What is the dialogue surrounding consent? What is the dialogue surrounding the word no? Um, we had brought up the kind of no right now is still not a safe word. And again, like I, I, I think all of these things that Boysen and, and Brian are implementing in their groups, this is needed. And at this level, I still don't get to, that doesn't change my, my safety, you know, mm -hmm. no still isn't safe. How do we, how do we make it so that women trust that when they say no, they know what's going to happen. They trust the situation, whether the person they're with is an unsafe person or not. Um, kind of bringing it back to that conversation of like, where, where can we look for men saying, okay, only we're going to talk about respecting it. We're going to teach ourselves how to respect it. But here's the dialogue that's going to happen before we even ever get to that point where you have to s decide whether to say no, yes or no. Say um, more about that dialogue. Say more. Tell mm -hmm. us, how does a man talk to a woman about engaging in intimacy without it becoming a total head trip because because this is you know intimacy is a body experience it's a it's a it's it's supposed to be this flowing of energy and now we're bringing in the the thinking and the talking about it and that's not always welcome um uh in, in, as we say, hey, let's talk about what we're going to do later, or let's talk about what we're going to do next. I have to, I have to say, I think that it's, it's funny. I'm trying not to just like, I, I don't want to be insensitive to what you just said, but I no, have to say, as I'm, a woman, I'm saying it because I want woman, you to be honest. It is, it is already there's a thinking process. I, like, I think that for, for men to go into this, like, we have to think about it and there has to be a conversation. It's like this whole extra step. That woman's been thinking about it since the date fucking started. I'm sorry. But like, it has just, it, it is not new. And I think women are just like, we just want that conversation to start with. If it is, if it is a sexual situation, do you want to have sex? And having that answer, no, say, okay, what should we do? Like, do you want to, do you want, like, it's not like it isn't, it isn't a big, long conversation. It isn't this giant dialogue. It's not, let's sit down and write journals about our feelings. And let's, let me call my mom. And like, it's, it's just like, let's just ask me if it's okay. And it goes both ways. It goes obviously, but the conversation we're having is men against women. And I, it, it's just, it's not hard. And I think that's the thing that's so frustrating to hear men be like, oh, and now I have to ask permission. And now I have to think about if I touch her on the top of her shoulder or on the low of her back in one sexual accident, one like, it's not hard. Just ask like, hey, is it okay if I have my hand on you? The answer might be no. And you got to suck it up if it is. I'm sorry, but it's just like, it's not brain science. And so I think that what's missing is just this like, you know, at what point do we have to really delve in and say, like, think about it and feel it and, oh, and be open and, or just ask and respect the answer. 
You guys, is it fair for us to say as men, we don't know how to do this? How long are we going to keep saying that? We don't know how to do this. We weren't taught how to, how to, to use empathy. We weren't taught how to, how to uh, uh, ask a question like that. And we don't know how to not get butt hurt um, if she is declining our physical advances. Um, and we don't know how to ask the question, is it okay if I put my hand here? How do we... What, what do we do here? If, if we're stuck in this loop of we weren't taught and very clearly that's what's needed next, now what? Thank you, Maya. <laughs> I'll say that and then be quiet and let Brian talk. Yeah, that's a great place to start. Thanks, Maya. Um, so for me, I, you know, when you started saying that, it was like, oh, duh, it's really simple. Keep it simple. Hey, do you want to have sex, Maya? That was like, right? Like, mm -hmm. like oh, that's genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but what I, I've, I've seen this, it's, it's popped up a couple of times, there was something in the article with the, the idea of consent in, t in terms of tea. And so sometimes for the monkey mind of men, I <laughs> keeping it simple or giving us um, something that we already have a relationship to, it, it works. And I don't know if you guys have read that article, but it, it's, and I, I'll kind of try to paraphrase a little bit, but it's basically, would you give someone you ask somebody if they wanted tea and they said no they don't want mm -hmm. tea if they wanted tea now and you ask them again and they say they don't then they don't want tea you don't get to pour tea down their throat just the idea of consent and tea uh that somebody wrote an article was uh, a pretty easy way to palette the idea of consent for i think men in a lot of different situations is is kind of implementing something else that you would be offering somebody or asking somebody to do engage with and you wouldn't do if they were unconscious or they didn't want to. On top of this for me is now let's also talk about the narratives and stories. And like, I mean, we're talking Campbell, we're talking the archetypal, we're talking the mythos of Western culture, especially from the get has been based on the entitlement of men to take. So every time we have this conversation, we are also bucking against thousands of years of story that is baked into our culture about what men are entitled to from the gods, right? The gods mm -hmm. don't come down and ask the human women whether they want to have demigod babies, you know? Mm -hmm. God didn't ask Mary. Wow. And so we are pushing against that. And I think that, that, you know, we're in the kind of infancy of this conversation. If this conversation has been happening since, since say the feminist movement, if this conversation has been happening since 1920 or, you know, earlier since 1870, then we're in the infancy of this conversation and we're fighting against 2000 years of story. So let's keep that in mind that, you know, it is really simple to ask and get the no, but then I have to deconstruct. And this is, again, my responsibility as a man. I have to deconstruct everything that that might mean consciously or unconsciously in my body and my mind. I'm not valuable. I have no power. My, I've been shut down. I've been like all of those things that are kind of embedded. And I think that we have to be really diligent in having those conversations. And I think those conversations need to be amongst men. We need to figure out like, what the fuck is our new story of masculinity? What, the, what is our new story of relationship around this that creates a different kind of environment, a different kind of mythos for us to live in? Daughter, while he was talking, I saw that look on your face. He said, he said something that, that pissed you off. You weren't convinced. No. <laughs> What happened? No, um, I'm just thinking about like, what do we do with this new dialogue? And I came up with this, if, you know, if the story is, you know, men get to take, then now I think the story can be men get to take responsibility, yeah. men get to take accountability and men get to take her home safely. <laughs> I think, okay. you know, I think that, I think that you're right. And I, I, I don't want to discount, you know, this, that this is a new dialogue for men. And I also don't want to give all this time for men to figure it out. 
because this has always been an issue. And I think it, it can turn into very easily um, a very willing forgiveness of people who have committed really horrible crimes because they weren't taught or there's years of, or, and so I, I think I'm, you're right. The, the dialogue has to change. Um, so change it, you know, just, just choose to, and, and if the situation in a consent situation, that answer, no, really does bring up these, like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not. And that's okay to try to convince or, make it a hard situation or you know like then have that conversation and that's i think that's another part of the dialogue is like if if that really brings that up for you then speak have have the courage to speak to that be like okay like i'm i'm definitely bummed but you know here's what this brought up for me so i'm working through that like if you're wondering why i'm upset it's not you i'm I'm upset and it's not because of you take responsibility for that because she did not make you feel that way by saying no. And I, then I also was thinking about this, you know, like, I think the word about like the sensitive word gets thrown around a lot for women. It's like, they're so sensitive and that's why we have to be so careful. And cause I'm like, actually we're not your sensitive. Like if you get so upset, I'm not the snowflake. You're the snowflake. Yeah, like If you really can't handle <laughs> the point where either my safety becomes a concern or it's easier for me to say yes because I'll be treated poorly emotionally or whatever. Like you're the sensitive one. Right. Male fragility. <laughs> changing, Male fragility. Yeah. Changing, changing that dialogue and, and also bringing it back to, it's not an excuse. Yes. You know, these things need to change. These things need to be talked about, but it doesn't get to be your reason because it's not any better than boys will be boys. It's just like, Oh, they just, they haven't been taught. And then women are still in this place of having to either give or have it taken. And it's, it's that dynamic is, does, it just doesn't work. Brian, you had, you had talked to me about that, that do you want some tea question? And as, as I'm watching this unfold in front of me and remembering that conversation, I'm thinking about um, doing the boys consent training where, where I have a nice, pot of tea with me in two cups and I sit down next to one of the boys there in high school and say, do you want some tea? He says, no, thanks. And I said, are you sure? Like it's, it's really good tea. I've, I worked on this tea. I, do you want some tea? And he says, no, I, I don't want any tea. So I pour the tiniest bit on his knee and say, how about now? Do you want some tea now? And I, and I start pouring it up his, up his leg closer and closer to his crotch saying, does this make you want tea more or less? And then (laughs) maybe I just forcefully (laughs) dump the entire pot over his head because I'm so angry that he doesn't want my damn tea. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and that article does a phenomenal job of even talking about that. It's like, if you ask somebody, they want tea, you don't have the right to continue asking over and over and over if they want tea and they kind of they say it like that it's like if they said no and you ask them later and they said no you don't keep asking until they finally say yes they said no they know you've offered tea do men just not care is that is that what we're dealing with so so i'm i've i've definitely heard that we weren't taught to care but is it is, is it now we just don't care and, and women are saying, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to, this is, this has caused pain. This impact is too much. It's at a global level. It's at a congressional level. It's at a, at a privacy secret level. It's at every single level and men just don't care. I think for me, and it's just, I think both Maya and Boysen kind of brought it up and he called it the male fragility, but just, we, we have to in rewriting what uh, the masculine is and I guess to me, it's like, it's just, it's just like simple human psychology. It's like, if we're going to dismantle them, it will either get them to be triggered to the defensive, which is going to go have them go twice as far the opposite way. Yeah. Or we have to not call them out, but call them in. Um, and this isn't for women to do. This is for us men who are seeing this. This mm-hmm. is our job. You got, we, we see it. Our job is to call other men into this and say, Hey, our job, let's hold space. Let's be accountable for our impact. And, and ask ourselves, how can we? Like maybe the maybe a, a true man holds space and supports the family and the community that way, and listens to everyone and shows up for what they need. Not is going to yell and tell everyone what he needs done. 
Um, and I think that's, that's the king that we need to see in charge of, of, of our households. Those are the kings that we need to show up for these queens that are, that are offering so much and just not being honored. And I think the best way we can honor them is, is show up in our fullest potential of holding space and teaching that. To do our own emotional labor. Like it's no longer, it's not women's responsibility to do this for us. And my, I just want to repeat so that it's what you said. I get to take responsibility. I get to take accountability and I get to take her home safely. Like that's just brilliant to me. Like, yeah, the boys will be boys. I mean, we've been told time's up dudes. Time's up. We're, we're done with this. It's time for something new. So now we, are, we have to do the work that needs to be done. Boys, and is this going to slip back into nonchalance? Is this going to slip back into, because it's already off the front page. The, the Me Too movement had, had a 15-minute uh, moment in the sun, and then it started to emerge again with what was going on with the uh, uh, justice appoint. And... Where is it? Are men just hoping this is going to fade again into obscurity? Oh, sure. There are a lot of guys, I think, who are hoping it will, and I don't think it will. I mean, we just put 100 women into the House of Representatives right. in this election. We just lowered the demographic age of the House of Representatives by over 10 years wow. in a single sweep that's going to change the conversation. So I think that, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic by what I see and ain't no easy pal. I mean, you know, no free lunch here. So it's going to, it's going to take a lot of work. Um, and I think that there are a lot of men who are willing now to lean into this conversation who haven't been willing to lean into this conversation. And I, you know, I was at a conference this past week in New York city called the better man conference where this idea of, you know, what is it, what is it to be a man in the age of me too, a mature man in the age of me too, and teaching men, and these are men from, you know, Fortune 500 companies, diversity and inclusion initiatives, leaders, C-suite people, teaching them how to slow down their conversations, how, learn how to respond instead of react to things that are happening, learn to, you know, deal with their own defensiveness right, right. in the face of these conversations. You know, it's happening at, at, in big corporations at very high levels. That's going to shift things. Maya, how does that feel? Does it feel like it's, it's actually happening? Do you see it happening? Do you feel it happening? Is change happening? Yeah, I think it is. And I think, I think Boysen's right. I don't think that this is going to keep going back into the shadows for too long because people are really done. We're, you know, we're, we're over it. It's exhausting. And I think people are realizing that we're too far along as a society to still be thinking this primitively mm. about something as simple as consent. Um, and I also think that it's now really important, you know, especially for parents listening that it, we're talking to our kids very honestly and openly about this. Like, how are you teaching your kids consent at whatever age? Um, I read a really great um, article about this woman teaching her young boys consent um, with stuff as simple as asking their permission if she can put sunscreen on their bodies and giving them the opportunity to say, no, I want to do it myself. You know, asking permission as even as a mom for that physical touch, is that okay? And that she sees them do the same. She's, she watched her young eight-year-old son at a birthday party with a young girl say, is it okay if I sit next to you? And she said, no. And he said, okay. And went and sat somewhere else. And that it, it really, you know, we need to be talking to our kids about this stuff because it's, you know, like boys said, the, the world is, is at our door the real world is hard. And if our children are growing up with a very assured sense of not only trusting themselves in, in a bad situation, but trusting each other, in those situations, you know, that I, I'm hoping that girls younger than me can grow up knowing that if they say no, they're still safe mm. and they trust that. And they can, that the norm is to trust that because they know that, you know, that boy is a safe person and it's not an assumption and it's not a hope. It's, it's, they can just, they can just trust that. Um, 
so I think doing things like talking to high schoolers, talking to middle schoolers, talking to elementary schoolers. And I mentioned in another podcast, I, you know, I was the, the conversation around sex and consent was very open, not only with all my dad and my stepmom and my mom, but also at school. I had my, my elementary school had an amazing sex education program that was very appropriate and very educational and honest. And we did have sex education or excuse me, consent education in fourth and fifth grade. Um, it's not too young because young kids do get sexually abused and sexually harassed. And my class grew up more empowered um, in that way. And so I think, um, yeah, I mean, this conversation, it just needs to keep going. Like it's what we have now isn't enough, you know, men's groups. It's not, we can't just stop there. It's not enough to just talk about it and hope more people just keep talking about it. Like this just needs to be, it needs to get to a place where this is, it's normal to talk about it. It's normal to come out and admit that something bad happened to you. It needs to be appreciated um, and honored when a woman says, I don't feel safe. Uh, I didn't feel safe. This thing happened to me and it shouldn't have, you know, there's these things just, they need to just be able to be talked about. Um, Brian, in this conversation, I, I'm wondering, you know, in, in this conversation earlier, I, I, was telling our audience that uh, I've, I've passed on a young client for you to mentor, which, which let, me, let me preface by saying that phone call that you and I had where I was saying, hey, can you take this kid on? Um, and you, you unequivocally, without hesitation, saying, yes, let me add him, um, was really, it brought tears to my eyes because I remember being with you in your formative years and now you being the mentor for the next generation meant a lot to me. Just, just seeing you and Jeff and I talk about that and seeing you stand in that place. And what I want to, what I want to also say that um, you and I know that what this kid is struggling with is asking girls for nude pictures so much so that, that there's legal charges and there's school, uh, there's suspensions and expulsions being threatened. He is not allowed on the internet anymore. And he's only allowed to use the internet at school for school projects. And he's been using it to ask girls for nude pictures, despite all the consequences. So Brian, what I'm wondering is through this conversation you know, you, you creating a strategy to talk to him and now having this conversation, has anything changed? Do you have a different, do you have a different conversation with him? Yeah. You know, I, the conversation with him, I mean, I'm still working to, to you know, I've only met with the guy, him a few times and it's building trust, but it, it definitely changes it. Cause it's, uh, I remember being in those formative years and it's trying not to put someone like that, on the defensive because they don't know and, and just seeing, I, yeah, I, it, it kind of puts me at a loss, even though I had you guys, it's, it's, it's like a big, there's a lot of cultural layers I got to swallow and then just say at some point, okay, just say it. And I just kind of will force myself to bring up these weird topics or what people feel is weird or taboo, which it, it shouldn't be. And a lot of times I have to use your, you, you know, your, your voice in the back of my head to, to be willing to go to that. But even for me to bring it up, it feels like there's this hesitation. Um, so I think that's good. That's my experience with it. it. Does it change? Yeah. With the, the 14 year olds these days, the internet is such a weird thing. Um, it's the accountability that we hide behind it. And I see that there's a, a, a large disconnect there from the actions that we take as people, even the older people, but, definitely this younger generation, the actions that they take online, it's like this disassociation. It's like this avatar of themselves. So they get to play with these, their darkness, but then you go to talk to them and they, it's almost like it's a different part of them. They, that's not them. It's mm -hmm. online. And so I think there's like, that's a layer of it that I'm trying to get through. Like, how do you connect the dots for them? Like what you're doing online is not a game. It's not a joke. That's very much you. And I, you know, that's my experience. I don't know what, fully what to do with it. Boys, and you look like you got thoughts on this. Who that identity formation piece, 
is just huge for me. Like, yeah, it's a different, it's a different era than when I was growing up. Um, what was out there in terms of pornography and how accessible it was and where it was, but the conversation is still kind of the same. Like I created two identities and I think most boys create two identities. And if we are to change the story, then that has to be like part of the dialogue from the get. And, you know, with me, with my kids, like that's part of the dialogue. Like, hey, I know there's this whole other dimension of you that you don't put up. You don't put up front. I got it. I'm not going to ask you to reveal all that right now, but I want you to know that I know it's in the room with us. And if we go into every situation with an, the safe, safe and unsafe has been popping up for me too. It's like my every, every interaction with a man, both of those things are present at the same time. Right. And you know that, mm -hmm. and he knows it at some level, but can we put that out front? Can we own the safe and unsafe? Can we own the shadow that's in our interactions with each other and start speaking to it directly? Um, and then, yeah, identity formation. How do we give a sense of healthy significance and belonging to every person, but especially to young people so that they don't attach their entire ego onto unhealthy behaviors? so we, just go back what I talked to him what I ended up as you're saying I remember what I ended up boiling it down to with, the, with this, this this young gentleman was um, I talked to him about honor because and as you said it was the same it was timeless when you were young it was like I think that was my common thread it's like yo you have actions you, you the way you show respect for things in my mind is how you is the honor that you do that's how you honor things and so I asked him and we tied a long conversation about honor and, and like, how do you move through this world with that? Just trying to bring that awareness through something as simple as that or what you would think is simple. Maya, if you had, if you had a moment, uh, 10 minutes to speak to this young boy, um, what would you say to him? Oh, <laughs> um, I think that the honor piece is really important. And I also think that, I, I think I would say there's no honor in being a predator. <laughs> there's no, there is no honor in being um, an unsafe person or an aggressive, an aggressive man. And what I would wonder from him if this is his issue is that he's probably really afraid of rejection and being able to do it over a screen is probably a lot easier than having to deal with it face-to-face -face, and that he has some some need for maybe feminine approval and having that conversation around um how do you safely and respectfully ask for support from women mm. how do you safely and respectfully ask for um friendship or relationship or or intimacy from women how do you have that conversation um and it's not so the end goal like oh you should be respectful because then you'll get laid it's like <laughs> you know what what is what is he really looking for and how do you safely and respectfully have that conversation with women so that he can have a healthy cohesive relationship with himself and with with the feminine i got a final i got a final question as we wrap this around and 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 what's come up for me and everything maya just said was I still hear her talking a language to men that I'm not hearing men talk with men. Brian Boysen, when, when we have this conversation with each other, we are still finding ways, and we've all talked about this, to bring this up to other men without making them defensive, without, without stepping into that place of... Um, you know, saying you're, you, listen, let's talk about impact. What suddenly came up when, when I said, Maya, what would you say to him? She was like, stop being a predator. 
and it was direct and it was clear. And it, we talk about what's the impact, what's the perception. You know, we've got intention, delivery, perception, impact, and then growth through repair. And when, 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 when we said, Maya, what would you say to him? She was like, you're acting like a predator. And, and we haven't said that to each other, Brian, Boysen. We haven't said, hey, that's, you're being a predator. So I want to say that that's my, that's my final piece of what I've got out of this conversation is that a woman is ready to be more direct and clear and upfront about how this feels than men are with each other. And, and I see examples and samples of that online. That's my final thoughts, boys and final thoughts of, of this conversation. Uh, gratitude. I'm deeply grateful that I was invited to the conversation and, and my, I just want to say, having listened to a bunch of the episodes of this podcast, like I'm just, uh, deeply respectful of of who you are thank you yeah and aaron you had nothing to do with it but nice job anyway hey thanks that's on her man she's she's so far evolved past me i got not she's got she's got nothing that's all her and again like i'll just repeat what what maya said there's no honor in being a predator like fuck that's powerful <laughs> Wait, did you write them all down? We could go down that that list together because there's also no reason in being unsafe. Yeah. Thank you. I'm out. Brian, final thoughts. Um, well, also, I thank you both for having me, Maya. Thanks for being willing to share your thoughts with with us men. At least um, we get some insight into to the what we can do from you. Um, for me, it sounds like keep pushing this accountability and, and not softening it as much because, and what I'm hearing is like, why am I, why do we need to soften it for men? Because women have been hurt for long enough. We don't need to soften it. Let's just change it. So that's where I'm going. It's time to just change it and have that impact. Well said. Maya, what you got? Well, I want to say thank you guys for doing what you do and being willing to have this conversation with other men and being willing to take some responsibility and change your way of thinking after hearing from a woman. And I would just say, like, keep calling each other out. I think that not, you know, not being silent doesn't mean explaining it softly. I think it means calling each other out and holding each other accountable um, for what's really going on. Um, and once it's really realized and you can kind of dig into the layers, but what's on the surface is that women don't feel that men are safe. And a lot of men act like predators, whether they are trying to or not. And we need to deal with these fundamental issues of um, a lot of women don't feel like they can say no. And um, yeah, be, be honest with each other. If this is about men holding other men ac accountable, just call each other out and be honest with each other. Don't sugarcoat it. It hasn't been sugarcoated for us. <laughs> so um, I think it's time to really start calling it what it is and talking about it and, and calling it what it is for young people, talking to young kids and bringing that conversation through to young men and women about um, what needs to change and changing that, changing the inner dialogue around, around consent. Man, there's more, there's more to say, Maya. We got to, we got to, we got to keep this conversation going. We got to keep this series going because it seems like every time we, we do an episode, there's another episode to have. And I know we're, we've been trying to get that company on that, that goes around the country teaching consent training in schools and stuff like that. And there's been some struggles with, with timing. So we're still working on that, but this, this still is, is I, I think I am boys. And I think you said it is that we're still in the formative phases. If this has been going on for so long and then since the seventies, this, this trickles of this have begun and now all of a sudden it's everywhere and men are acting like, Whoa, I, this is, this is new to me. And it's not, it's not new. And that's, that's where the question is. Do you actually even care? That's where that, that piece came up to me. So, we we are still in the beginning of this. Thank you, Boysen. Um, and, uh, and Brian, thank you so much. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow at Tai Chi, Brian. And uh, Maya, I'm, I'm so excited to see you on your Thanksgiving break here coming yeah. down.
go get new tires. So, yeah. we can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that it all works out, but I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for this conversation for everybody just, just sitting in the space of, of discomfort and uh, the desire to change, grow through a pair. We're, we're, we've torn these muscles. Now we got to fill it in so that it can actually become bigger than what it was. Uh, that's growth through repair. You got to correct and continue. Uh, always, I want to thank the boss goddess of mental health news radio, Kristen Walker, for her continued support and love of our show. Um, I really, I really dig you a lot, Kristen. Daniel Cropper for his editing work and being willing to, uh, sometimes I just like dump four shows in his lap and he, he's, he's on it. So thanks, Daniel. I want to thank Mental Health News Radio. I want um, parents, teachers, and clinicians to know that I've begun to start uh, parenting evenings. So please connect with me. Uh, my new website is called AaronHueySpeaks.com. It's almost live yet. Uh, I'm excited uh, to get this thing live, AaronHueySpeaks.com. You can always find me on Facebook. And of course, if you need deeper help, residential help, if you need the deep intervention with your child, check us out at uh, Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, um, FireMountainPrograms.com, Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center on Facebook. Um, and you can always connect with me on Facebook. Uh, and then finally, I say to all parents and teachers and clinicians, you take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second, and then you take care of your children because in that way we do our best work with our children. So thank you guys. Uh, thank you all for being here. Brian, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you more, not less. Thank you. And uh, 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 Boysen, same with you. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to stay in touch more. It's, it's, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to stay at a deeper connected level. And if there's any, ever any way I can support you with what you got going on, don't hesitate to ask. I'd like to, I'd like to see this turn into something more. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And daughter, I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you and you're, you're doing amazing stuff out there. Uh, check out Maya's business, Sonder Marketing LLC. What's your website, hon? Sonder Events and Marketing LLC.com is her marketing company while she's a senior in college, I might say. So hang in there with those finals, study hard. Folks, thank you so much. I'll see you next week on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to FireMountainPrograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.